They said, we receive it. We receive it in Jesus' name. All right. Defeating the spirit of offense. Last week, my sermon title was Discovering the Spirit Behind Your Offense. I cannot spend time reviewing that, but I do encourage you. Whether you're watching by live stream or you are here, watch it again. If you didn't even turn live stream on, watch it. It's powerful. It's important. It exposes the enemy. But today I want to talk about defeating the spirit of offense. And uh, I wrote up a number of points, and we printed them up so that you could take them home and commit these to practice, okay? If we only come to hear sermons, it will do very little. If we come to engage the sermon into our lives, you will accomplish a lot. Amen. Absolutely. Point number one. When we're defeating the spirit of offense, the first thing we need to do is to recognize uh, was offense, uh, to recognize that number one, offense can be given and offense can be taken. So if we could put point number one, recognize that an offense can be given and an offense can be taken. There's a difference. Sometimes people will just be rude. Sometimes people will be hurtful. Sometimes they will deliberately say things that cut you and just wound you. An offense can be given. Occasionally, actually I shouldn't say occasionally, sometimes offense can be taken. If you've been wounded in the past and someone gave you an offense, and if you receive that offense, it creates a wound and a strong man of darkness will live in the emotion of that wound. And in the future, people don't necessarily have to repeat the offense. You will interpret things through the ears of that offense. You will see people through the eyes of that offense, and you will feel the emotion of that spirit of offense. And so sometimes we take offense. Offense isn't always given. Sometimes offense is taken. So the first thing I want you to do is to recognize an offense can be given and an offense can be taken. When people come to me sometimes in counseling and they say, you know, uh, such and such a person really offended me. My first job is to find out was offense really given or was offense taken? It's the first thing I do in counseling inside my own head. And I'll start asking them questions so I could get to that, that answer. Point number two. When there's an issue of, of offense, ask yourself, was this offense given or did I take it? So number one, you need to understand not every offense was actually given in reality. Sometimes it's perceived. Number two, when an offensive situation comes to you, you must ask yourself. If you don't ask yourself this question, you will be taken captive by the spirit behind the offense. I said a couple of weeks ago that offense is a spirit. It is. 
The thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. You've seen me. I've had a, a rat trap here. And I showed you how the word offense in the Greek is the word scandalon. And scandalon is a noun. It is the little thing that holds the bait, that triggers the trap, that catches a bird. And when you take offense, you will live inside that cage and spend the rest of your life living life from inside the fowler's cage. That's what the enemy looks to do. He doesn't want the sons of God roaming up and down the streets, standing in the victory of who they are in Jesus Christ. He wants the sons of God to be contained in a cage, even if that cage is a wound inside their emotions. He knows how to send a demon to tweak that wound so that your knees buckle and you stumble. Just as you start to rise again, he'll bring another person along to press that same wound. Why? Because he knows the trouble he will have if the sons of God rise up in who they are in Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you right now, if there's one thing Satan wants, he wants the American church to get really political about what's going on. Because if you get political, you're not going to get spiritual. But if you get spiritual, you'll answer the political. Hello? Are you hearing me? Paul made it very clear. We don't fight against flesh and blood. Sometimes we talk and we act and we think and we protest and we wave our constitution around as if it's a matter of flesh and blood. Listen, if we stood on the Word of God and stood in prayer as much as we want to stand on who we are as Americans, this nation would not be in the condition it is in. We, the church, need to understand we are the church. Every individual in every seat in every pew, you're the church. I'm not the church. The pastors aren't the church. We are the church of Jesus Christ. And Jesus emphatically said, the gates of hell will not prevail against you, the church of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. But if we're scattered and divided on all the issues that are on TV right now, We'll never be unified in the spirit of prayer and intercession. And so I refuse to take the offense of what's happening on TV, the left and the right. And listen, yes, I have my own personal opinions, but they are so far down the list. My first opinion is I am a son of God and the world needs me to be a son of God. I need to think like a son of God. I need to act like a son of God. I need to pray like a son of God. And I need to speak into the heavens like a son of God. Can I get an amen? amen. If it isn't obvious that the enemy is trying to turn the world upside down, then uh, <clears throat> you need to join me in Bible school. It is so obvious the enemy's trying to make his move through men, through governments, through parties. But I'm not going to get hung up on that. You're not going to get hung up on that. 
We are going to revel in the fact that we have authority. We are the sons of God and devils have got to back down when the church of Jesus Christ is united and united in prayer standing on the Word of God. Amen. Amen. So I said, number one, in defeating the spirit of offense, you need to understand offense can be given, offense can be taken. Point two, when there's an issue of offense, you have to be very honest and ask yourself, did that person really give offense or did I take offense? Was the offense given or was the offense taken? Number three, if it was given... Don't receive it. People will give offense. Sometimes people will say things that are just downright ugly. Sometimes people will make racist remarks, insults. Sometimes the people you want to love the most and the people you thought loved you the most will do things and say things that will cut you. And sometimes they will do it deliberately because of the mess that is in their own lives. Here's the issue. The same way I say, I don't care what's out there. The issue is what I let get in me. Am I going to stay focused on God? Because if I let what's out there get in me, then what's out there has already defeated me. Hello? But i got to stay focused on God. So when somebody does bring you an offense, they cut you down, they call you names, they cheat you, they hurt you, they lie about you, you have the choice to receive it or not receive it. When, <laughs> when someone brings me a gift, when someone brings you a gift, you have the choice to receive it or not receive it. And most times we receive it. Sometimes we receive it and say, oh, thank you very much. And then we put it in a back room and never look at it again. <laughs> because it may not be something that's pleasing to us. Uh, at times, you know, uh, people say, hey, listen, is this what you would like? Uh, I know there's the new trend today is you have, uh, especially if you're getting engaged or you're having a, uh, a baby shower, you put a, a, like a wish list and you register with a store. And it's so much easier for people to give you the gift that you want. But sometimes offense is given. Are you going to receive it? Are you going to take it? Are you going to let it get into your emotions? If you receive it, you'll live from it and continually bleed it. If you receive the offense that someone gives, you will live out of that offense. If you receive it, I promise you, this is just the nature of how the spirit world works. If you're not rebuking the devil, he'll take everything he can. Hello? If you receive the emotion of that offense, if you get offended, you just got a strong man who's come to live inside of you and mess you up. And you will live from it and you will continually bleed it. Other people will see it. You may not see it, but people will hear you complaining about the same thing over and over again. And you'll see it everywhere. Number four, when offense is given, forgive it and forget it. I'll tell you why. When you forgive it, 
It can't live in you. When you forgive it, you close the wound. When you forgive it, look, some offenses are horrendous. <laughs> I've been in ministry over 40 years. Sometimes people innocently will do things that hurt me and cause me quite a bit of pain and awkward scenarios. Sometimes they deliberately do those things. I'd love to tell you that being in the ministry is always just absolutely, it's like being with Jesus 24-7. But it's not. You have to mix with other people too. And uh, the reality is that offenses will come. And Jesus said it's impossible for offenses not to come. But what is possible is to refuse to be taken by it. When you forgive the offense, it cannot live in you. Forgiveness is the anti-venom to the devil's bite. Forgiveness. My friend here, Paul, would never consciously ever do anything to offend me and his lovely wife, Beth. And uh, he would never ever consciously do anything to offend me. I believe that uh, that could be said of everyone in this room. But if he were to do something to offend me, the best thing I can do for me and the best thing I could do for him is to forgive it because it'll never get past my skin. But when you receive it, it's like a parasite. It gets in and it doesn't go away. It digs and digs and eats and eats and it'll go through you. When you forgive it, it can't live in you. When you forget it, you can't live in it. I like that. That's powerful. When you forgive it, it can't live in you. And when you forget it, you can't live in it. Don't you want to live that way? Come on. We want to be offense-free. Absolutely. So when offense is given, forgive it and forget it. Because when you forgive it, it can't live in you. When you forget it, you can't live in it. Praise God. In John chapter 14, verse 30, if we were to read this in the New King James Version, Jesus said to his disciples, he was just telling them that he's about to go and he's going to send the Holy Spirit to them. And in verse 30, he says, The prince of this world is coming, but he has nothing in me. Think about the life of Jesus Christ. Isaiah, the prophet, prophesied in chapter 53 that he was rejected and despised by men. Read through the Gospels and see how much people complained about Jesus. See how much they told him they thought he was a devil. Yes, some people fawned over him. <clears throat> yes, some people fawned over him. Yes, some people loved him. But in the day of his crucifixion, the mob, the crowd, wasn't there to adore him. They had abandoned him. No one would have received more offense in life than the Son of God. And you know why? Because he became the curse, the Bible says, so that you and I could be curse-free. Come on, how many of you want to be free of all your curses? Come on. He became the curse. So he, you know, I remember years ago, 
uh, there was a cartoonist uh, called The Far Side. How many of you ever remember The Far Side? You know, now I have one of those funny types of sense of humor, and I used to enjoy looking at the cartoons from The Far Side. And uh, one of my favorite, in fact, years ago, someone had bought me a mug with this cartoon on the side of the mug because I liked it so much. And there were these two deer standing upright like people in the woods. And one of them, you know how a deer's underbelly is nice and white, right? Well, the one had this huge red target painted on his underbelly. And his buddy says to him, he looks at him, looks at the target and says, bummer of a birthmark, Hal. And from birth, Jesus had this target on him. He was meant to receive all the curses that can be given so that when he died on the cross, the power of it died with him and you and I could be set free from the curse. Come on, give the Lord a clap offering. Amen. So Jesus said, the prince of this world is coming, but he has nothing in me. Church, my job is to help you grow in the things of God so that you can say, the prince of this world is trying, but he has nothing in me. That's what this series is about. That's what this message today is about. Being offense-free so that the enemy doesn't have any strongholds in you. All right. Point number five. When offense is taken, the issue of the offense is already in you. So I said offense can be given. We spent a little bit time talking about offenses that are given. Sometimes offense is taken. When offense, you need to understand this, and I'm going to stop right here. If you think this doesn't apply to Pastor Rob, you are absolutely in deception. I take offense. Sometimes I take offense. Every one of us, if we're sincerely honest with ourselves, look, transparency and honesty before God is probably one of the strengths of the Christian life. When we get honest and transparent before God, the enemy becomes exposed and he starts to lose power over our lives. Y'all are too quiet. I mean, you're so quiet, you're making a New Yorker say, you all. <laughs> I mean, you guys are quiet. But it's because you're thinking about it, right? Okay. Look, honesty and sincerity before the Lord, being sincere with yourself, is one of the best things you could do to stay free. But the more we lie to ourselves, all we've done is hide the strong man in us. Did you hear me? I, I have learned to love truth. Even when truth is going to slap me in the face, truth is my best friend. Truth is my best friend. Absolutely. I'd rather, I, I, I made this saying up years ago, and I've quoted it many times in my sermons, I would rather the ugly truth than the comfort of a lie. 
Because in the ugly truth, you at least know where you are and where you need to get to. But in the comfort of a lie, you have no idea where you are. The comfort becomes the deception that keeps you right there. I've come to learn to love truth, and so I try to be very honest with myself about myself, very honest about the situations I'm going through. This point demands honesty from you, sincerity. It is so easy to point the finger, and oh, they gave me offense. That was one of the initial weaknesses that manifested in human nature at the fall of mankind. And so the enemy relies on that because what you pass on as a blame to someone else, it enables the stronghold and the strong man in you to stay undetected. Are you all hearing me? Being accountable, being honest. The truth will set you free. Not just the truth that's in the Word of God. Recognizing truth will bring you to a place of deliverance. It'll set you free. I've come to love the truth. I've come to learn to be very honest with myself because it's my salvation. Can I get an amen? Anyone else willing to get into this boat? Amen. All right, so the point is, when offense is taken, the issue of the offense is already in you. It may have come from an actual offense previously given and received. Remember, an offense cannot affect you if you don't receive it. So, when offense is taken, the issue is already inside you. It may have come from an actual offense previously given and received. But it could come also from the perception of an offense given and received. Just like sometimes rejection is given and we receive it. Sometimes we are wounded by the perception of rejection. And this is what I've learned from my own personal life and getting set free from issues that had me broken on the inside. Perceived Rejection to the individual who's perceiving it is just as real and just as painful and just as hurtful as received rejection. So my point is, perceived offense is just as real to you. If you're living in the perception that people are constantly looking down at you, rejecting you, speaking ill of you, if you're living in the perception that people are always out to get you, that perception, while it may not be a reality, it is your reality. And that's the reality we want to set you free from in Jesus' name. Amen. Hang on a second. You all know what I'm going to do, right? Come on, join me. Good preaching, Pastor Ram. I asked God years ago to give me principles. I'm preaching principles. 
and preaching principles. Don't treat it like just a sermon. Get the notes afterwards. This is prophetic. There, the enemy has vomited up a spirit of offense. It comes with divisiveness, and people start taking sides, and then they start fighting, and the devil laughs. That's why I'm preaching so strongly against it in the church, because I see it wanting to come into the church. No, let's stay focused. We are sons of God. We're higher than this. We will, uh, we will deal with, that, with what's out there by turning to the Christ who is in us. Amen? Absolutely. All right. So when offense is taken, the issue of the offense is already in you. If you, in that, if you analyze the situation you, and you say, you know what? He didn't really mean that. I took it that way. Why did I take it that way? You took the offense. Now, if you're honest with yourself, it'll lead you to a place of victory, and I'll show you how. But how many of you can be honest enough this morning, whether you're watching online or you're here in this room, I'm going to ask you to be so honest, I'm going to ask you to testify by waving your hand. How many of you know at times in the past you've taken offense? Can I see your hand? Thank you for being so transparent. All right, you can put your hand down. Most of us are like the rest of us. And anyone who isn't is lying. <laughs> Most of us are like the rest of us. We, we do. Sometimes offense is given. Sometimes we take it. And we are more inclined to take offense when someone gave offense. We got wounded. We received it. Now that wound is in us. We're living out of that wound. And now we start to hear everything. Out of that wound. This is good stuff, isn't it? We need to hear this. Okay, so <clears throat> uh, sometimes offense, when it's taken, it's the perception of an offense. Number six, discern the nature of the defense. Discern the nature of the fence. Why do I feel so agitated then? What is it I'm actually agitated about? And if you sit down with the spirit of truth and say, Holy Ghost, show me, please, show me. Oh, okay, I realize, you know, Pastor uh, Tom didn't really mean what I interpreted. I, I am absolutely convinced. I talked to him. Why did I get so agitated? Why did I get so riled up? What is it? When you identify the nature of the offense, what you took offense over, you will have identified the strong man, the stronghold. And if you ask the Holy Spirit, he may even reveal when the offense was first given. We're talking about getting healed. We're talking about rising up in our potential. We're talking about not being crippled anymore. We're talking about the blind will see. Some of us are so blind to strong men in us, we don't see them. There are strongholds in us, and we think it's everybody else, and we'll argue day and night, and everyone around you will just go quiet because they know it's you. The issue's in you. And listen, every one of us have been there. 
So this is not a message condemning anyone. I'm telling you right now, I've been there and I can still go there. But it's the love of truth that will keep you free. None of us are so high and mighty. None of us have made it to such a level that we could never be susceptible to this stuff. Was that a shock? <laughs> Look, I, I'll always preach real. I'm not going to say what people want, what I think people want to hear. I'm going to speak the truth. Truth will set you free. And so none of us have reached a place until we're face to face with Jesus in eternity. Every one of us are capable of stumbling and taking offense. Amen. But we will choose not to. Amen? Absolutely. Okay, so uh, discern the nature of the offense and you'll discover the strong man that's hiding in it. For example, everyone look at me. I gave you a couple of stories uh, over the last two weeks. One was of Judas. And in John chapter 12, Mary, Lazarus' sister, took a, 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 a container filled with nard, a year's worth of wages, and pours it on Jesus' feet about five or six days before the crucifixion. You need to hear that sermon. Go back. If you didn't hear it, please listen powerful stuff. It was very prophetic. Two days before the crucifixion, I can't go into what was happening behind the scenes. This was prophetic. But anyway, another lady who remains unnamed does a similar thing. This time, Jesus is not at Lazarus's house. He's at a uh, tax collector's house, okay? Two different places, two different women, they do a very similar thing. One anoints his feet, the other takes a year's worth of wages of pure nard, uh, uh, perfume oil, and pours it over his head. One prepared him by anointing his feet for burial, the other anointed his head. In each situation, Judas takes offense. When it was... Lazarus's sister doing this, Judas takes offense and he gives this religious answer. That could have been sold and given to the poor. And John calls him out on it in the gospel. I love the Bible, it's very real. John calls him out and said, Judas said it because Judas was a thief. He had been stealing from the treasury. He was the treasurer. And as people gave offerings to Jesus, Judas was stealing. Now, can I ask you a question? If Peter needed something, do you think Jesus, because they were following him, you think he would take care of their expenses? Can I get a better answer than that? Yeah. Absolutely. Jesus is in a cheapskate. All right? Peter actually did come to him and said, hey, the temple uh, priests are demanding that we pay the temple tax, which is a denarii each. And Jesus says, grab a fishing line Go throw it in. The first fish you catch will have two denarii in its mouth, two gold coins. Pay your tax and pay my tax. I love it. I love it. Jesus showed submission, and he showed that the kingdom of God is greater than the kingdom of men. Hallelujah. 
You can submit to the things you have to if they don't contradict the word of God and the kingdom of God is still superior to the kingdom of men. Hallelujah. Absolutely. So Judas was stealing. Now, when it gets to four days later, two days before the crucifixion, another woman does the same thing. Both women had a spirit of phenomenal giving and generosity. And that was stirring up the spirit in Judas, which was a spirit of thievery, stealing, coveting money, always wanting what other people have and begrudging people. Well, when Lazarus' sister did this, that stronghold in Judas got angry. Four days later, he gets the other disciples on side, and according to the Gospels, some of the disciples were getting upset, and they start singing the same song that Judas sang four days earlier. Oh, that could have been sold and been given to the poor. And yet, if you heard the message, both women were doing something prophetically according to the law of God without knowing it, and they were preparing the sacrificial lamb. They had no idea. They were just worshiping Jesus. Okay? And here these disciples, Christians, casting out devils, not discerning the spirit of offense in Judas, and they start singing his song. Sometimes we take up somebody else's offense, and we start singing their song. Don't do it. Don't do it. The enemy's looking for a way to get in you. He's in your friend, and now he wants to get in you. Don't do it. And if what I'm saying isn't real, then why is it that Judas sold Jesus for 30 pieces of silver? And why is it at the Last Supper, Jesus turns to him and says, someone's going to betray me. And then he gives him the purse, says, go do what you got to do. And then Satan entered into him. Friend, I'm going to be very honest with you. Whoever you are watching on live stream across this nation in another country or whether you're part of this congregation, I'm going to be honest with you. Here's Judas walking with Jesus. He's got a sin issue in his heart. He doesn't deal with it. He doesn't deal with it. He doesn't deal with it. He keeps stealing. He keeps stealing. Whatever your issue is, the strong man you don't put down is the strong man who will take you down. And because he kept taking offense at what everybody else had and what he didn't have, he kept stealing. And he would justify it. I am absolutely convinced. Until finally that thing had so much agreement with Judas. Judas had agreed with him so many times, he just stepped into Judas's life. You don't want to live with the spirit of offense. Because the spirit of offense will take your side until he takes you to the other side. Did you hear me? The spirit of offense, he'll help you lick your wounds and nurse yourself. And he'll help gather a pity party around you. He will take your side till he takes you to the other side. The thief comes to steal, kill, and then utterly destroy. Good preaching, Pastor Ron. We had the story of Jesus came to his hometown. I already, last week, listen to it. Last week, 
a spirit of inferiority over that whole region. Here comes Jesus moving in the power of God, the wisdom of God, and his homies. <laughs> they take offense. Who gave him this miraculous power? And instead of being proud of him and saying, hey, this Jesus of Nazareth may be the Messiah. He came from Nazareth. You see, we're not so bad. Everybody else says, well, nothing good could come out of Nazareth. Hey, 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 here's Jesus. No, that's not their response. You know, in Australia, I pioneered four churches from scratch. No money, no denomination sending us funds or anything. Four churches. I was overseeing 12 churches. This is my fifth church. We started a church in a place called Coonabarabran. Now, the mother church was in Dubbo. I would start a church, get it to 30 or 40, 50 people, and then call the movement and say, send the pastor down. And I would literally give that whole church away. Dubbo was the mother church, uh, so I stayed in Dubbo, and I'd give these churches away. We'd build it first and then give it away. So one of the towns where we started a church is a place called Coonabarabran up in uh, sort of the mountains. Not a lot of mountains, but in the mountains. And uh, during one of the Olympics, a young man from Coonabarabran won the bronze medal in the equestrian events. A little town of about 7,000 people. Every town in that region. Hey, we know him. <laughs> He's from Coonabarabran. Yeah, Dubbo's not far from Coonabarabran. Hey, that's, that's our boy. You see, that's the natural response. Jesus' homies, they're taking offense. Why? They were living under the character and the atmosphere of a spirit of inferiority, and they let it get inside of them. Sons of Abraham. Do you know that a lot of Christians live out of the atmosphere that's over their city? And instead of the church changing the nation, the nation changes us. Don't let that spirit out there live in here. And so they took offense at Jesus, and, and Jesus could do but a few miracles. So, um, discern the nature of the fence, and you will discover the strong man hiding it. In, in, in Judas's case, it was a lust for money, a greediness, a selfishness. In the case of the people of Nazareth, it was their inferiority. What you take offense over, be honest enough and realize, wow, the devil's got a, a foothold in my life here. And if you pray, the Holy Spirit will show you uh, the moment it happened, maybe in your childhood. And if you repent of it and forgive those people, you're not saying, when you forgive someone, you're not saying, oh, it's okay, you could do that to me again. That's not what forgiveness is. When you forgive that person, you're not justifying the situation and saying, it's okay, something like that doesn't matter. No, it does matter. That's why it's an offense. It's sin, even in God's eyes. When you forgive that person, what you're really saying is, you know what? You're broken, I'm broken, we're all broken in the same way my father forgives me. Who am I not to forgive you? Forgiveness isn't justifying a person's ill action against you. Forgiveness is so that you could get healed and get delivered and cheat the devil out of another victim. Hello? 
Is this not practical teaching? This is spiritual warfare on a personal level. Okay? So discern the nature of offense and you'll discover the strong man that's hiding in you. You will always see through his eyes. If there's a spirit of rejection living in one of your wounds, you will see everything through rejection. You will hear everything through the ears of rejection. You will literally feel the emotions of rejection. Look, when a person has an issue with a spirit of lust, you see through the eyes of lust, you hear through the ears of lust, and you will feel the emotions of that spirit. When a person has an issue of fear, you will see through the eyes of that spirit, fear. You will hear through their ears, and you will feel what they feel. People think a spirit of fear is this big, intimidating. No, it's the opposite. A spirit of fear is actually a fearful spirit. And when people feel afraid, it is that spirit manifesting. His fear is what you feel. Turn around and rebuke that devil. He's a scaredy cat anyway. And he's even more afraid that you're going to know who you are in Jesus Christ. Rebuke that guy and tell him to go back to hell. Come on. Hello? Hello? I know this is powerful stuff. I know it is. This is stuff that can start getting you set free and delivered in Jesus' name. And uh, um, lastly, number seven, bind the strong man and destroy the stronghold. Number seven, bind the strong man. Tell that spirit of rejection, spirit of fear, spirit of anger, spirit of uh, a lost spirit of lies. If you have inferiority, at times you will lie to and exaggerate not to feel like you're going to be in trouble. Be honest. Start rebuking that thing and then destroy the stronghold. Bind the strong man, destroy the stronghold. Matthew chapter 12, verse 26 to 29, reading from the New International Version, Jesus is casting demons out, and he makes this statement. If I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. The kingdom of God is the realm where God is absolutely in control. So Jesus told his disciples, go preach the good news of the kingdom of God. You, many of us, have heard the gospel of salvation. And, Yay, I'm saved, my sins are forgiven, I'm going to heaven. The gospel of the kingdom of God is that the world you live in, the kingdom of God presents a God who has mastered everything and he will give you the victory in Jesus' name. That's the gospel I believe in. That's the gospel we preach. And so Jesus said, if I'm casting out devils, it is evidence that the realm of God's absolute miraculous power has come upon you. And then he goes on to say, next verse, how can one enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man? And then he will plunder his house. Now Luke says the same thing, but a little different. He adds something, and I think it's great. Luke 11, 20 to 22, NIV version. If I drive out demons by the finger of God, the kingdom of God has come upon you. Now listen. When a strong man, fully armed, 
guards his house, his possessions are safe. The strong man is a demonic entity, okay? But when someone stronger, that's Jesus, attacks and overpowers him, he takes away the armor in which the strong man trusted and divides up the spoils. So now I'm going to give you a, a verse that Paul teaches on war, warfare, spiritual warfare, and he talks about the strong man, and he talks about the stronghold. Matthew talks about the strong man. Luke talks about the stronghold. Paul talks about both. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 to 5, Paul says, though we live in the world, we're not going to fight the way the world does. A lot of Christians are getting caught up into fighting the way the world does. That's why I keep saying what I'm saying. Listen, vote. Let your voice count, absolutely. But that shouldn't be the first part of your fight, shouldn't be the last part of your fight, and it shouldn't be the majority of your fight. The majority of your fight should stem from who you are in Jesus Christ. So Paul says, though we live in the world, we don't wage wars the world does, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought and make it, and make it obedient to... Sorry and make it obedient to Jesus Christ. So when we get wounded, when there's an offense and you're wounded, what happens is we develop a series of thoughts. People don't like me. Maybe it's, it's because I'm black. Uh, you know what? They don't like me because I'm Puerto Rican. They don't like me because I'm Italian. You know what the devil tells me? They don't like you because you're the preacher. You upset them all the time. The devil will talk. He'll talk to you and he'll talk to me. And I promise you he talks to me. Yes, he does. And the devil will talk to you and he'll lie to you and he will press the wounds where you've been hurt in the past. Maybe growing up and dad always called you an idiot and a failure or maybe a teacher humiliated you in public and you hear those words over and over again. Whatever a we've received becomes the wound that constantly bleeds and the enemy is smart enough to come along and he presses that wound because if he keeps that wound refreshed and you react he's made his home safe he's made his home safe he doesn't want the wound to heal because if the wound heals, he loses possession. Hello? Are you hearing me? So in our wounds are all these thoughts. Um, I, I, I'm just an idiot. I, I'm inferior. I'm no good. I'm, I'm such a failure. God doesn't love me. Do you know that self-rejection, what inferiority says to you, Self-rejection is just as devastating as the rejection that comes from another person. And sometimes we do it, we think we're being humble. Oh, well, you know, I'm nothing. Hey, acknowledge who you are. 
and take credit when credit is given and give the credit to God as well. Hello? But sometimes we are so constantly deflating ourselves. Oh, well, you know, I, I can't take any credit for that. No, sometimes you can. And we're constantly defending compliments that come to us, and then we wonder why we feel like we're useless. Inferiority will speak down at you. And if you agree with it, he will have a very safe house. The armor that he trusts in that you, is that you agree with him. You've got to take those thoughts that are contrary to the Word of God. What does the Word of God say? You can do all things through Jesus Christ. What has the Word of God said? Behold, if anyone is in Christ Jesus, he or she is a new creation. What does the Word of God say? You are the beloved of God. Hallelujah. You've got to take the things that God says and renew your mind with what God says, not what your wound says. I have an A, B, and C, and then the end. Could you quickly throw A up? In just a moment. They're doing a great job. Not there? Okay. Well, I'll have to come back up here, and we're going to close with this here. Am I giving you good stuff to work on? Every thought from your wounds that marries up to the nature of the offense that you take, it has to be A, rebuked, it has to be B, rejected, and it has to be C, renewed to a new way of thinking. That's what Paul said, take every thought and make it captive to the obedience of Jesus Christ. Could we stand? Praise God. There's nothing I want to see more than see people set free from their fears, inferiorities, rejections, their wounds. I bleed like you bleed. That's not just a phrase. What I'm saying to you is I've struggled with issues for a long time. Fear? Yeah, I didn't get delivered from a spirit of fear till I was about 14. Fear dominated my thoughts. Inferiority? Yeah. And then here I was overseeing 12 churches and I'm at a conference, and God allows me to see a vision, and, I, and God shows me a viper trying to bite me. And God said, that's rejection. He's the one you never saw. He's the reason why fear was there. He's the reason why inferior, inferiority was there. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power. Power is the opposite of inferiority. God hasn't given me a spirit of fear, but of power. Why? Perfect love, the absence of rejection, perfect love casts out fear. I used to hear 
rejection would talk to me all the time. Fear would talk to me all the time. You know what I'm talking about. I know you know what I'm talking about. Because while I might be strange, I'm not any more strange than you are. I know you know what I'm talking about. We all hear things in here. How many of you have ever had an argument with someone and you've never shared one word with them? You had the argument up here. And how many of you got really stirred up too, right? My kids can tell when I'm having a conversation with somebody in my head because I'm driving the car and my eyebrows are going up and down and I'm twitching my head. And <laughs> sometimes my family members will say, who are you talking to? <laughs> I get it from my dad, but we're all the same. And sometimes we have a full-blown argument out of perception. If they say this, I ought to say this, and if they say that. And you know where that whole process even comes from? The fact that we've been wounded in the past. Be set free. Be healed. Be delivered. Forgive even the most atrocious things that might have been done to you. When you forgive it, the spirit of offense cannot stay. There's no home because there's no wound. Amen. There have been things that have been atrociously done to you. And I'm not negating that. And I'm not just trying to simplify something. Maybe you've been horrendously abused and rejected. I'm not trying to make light of any of that. I'm preaching this series because I understand how strong that is and how powerful it can be and how devastating it is. But Jesus Christ has come to set us free, and there are keys to being set free. I preach this because it's time for the church of Jesus to start growing into the image of the one who saved us. We're not just sinners saved by grace. We are now called to be sons filled with power. Amen. 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 Father, I thank you for this congregation. The congregation that's present, the congregation that's on air. Now, Holy Spirit, you can preach this better than me, way 10,000 times. You know how to get to each person and preach it to them. And you know how to uncover layers. As people are being honest enough today and asking you to uncover layers, so be it in Jesus' name. Bring to the surface the things that need to go and help them to see with discernment and to respond with the confidence that you are with them and you will walk through it with them and you will deliver them and heal them. I thank you, God, that the one who is in us is greater than the enemy. I thank you that we are first and foremost children of the Most High. And I speak to every stronghold in each and every one of us Whatever the name, whatever the shape, however the wound came, and I serve notice on you in Jesus' name, may the Spirit of God uncover you. And I declare freedom to the captives, liberty to the bruised, 
Open eyes to those who cannot see their wounds. Set them free. I thank you, Jesus. You came to bind up the brokenhearted, the fractured soul that hurts in our lives. I thank you. I release this anointing. And I release you, Holy Ghost, to continue this sermon with each and every person. And as they allow themselves to be honest and they go to their knees, I thank you, God. You will break chains in Jesus' name. And you will destroy the works of the evil one. And you will give them healing and victory by the blood of Jesus Christ. And everyone said, Amen. 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 Next week, I'm going to preach a, a very important message, identifying the most common root of offense. Identifying the most common root of offense. Can we give the Lord a praise offering? Can we do that? Amen. Absolutely. If you have never asked Jesus Christ in your heart, you're here today or you've tuned in I want you to know God loves you he really does whatever people have done to you however you've been wounded God does love you yeah the thief comes to steal but David was able to say of God you know what though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death this is my story. God will be there with me. And in the end, even in the company of my enemies, God will set a banquet table, and he and I, we're going to party. This is who your dad is. This is who your real dad is. If you've never asked Jesus in your heart, even here right now, everyone closing your eyes, just quickly raise your hand and say, I want to ask Jesus into my life. I want to know that I know I'm born again. If you're not sure if you're born again, just put your hand up and then put it down again very quickly. On live stream, in your living room, just acknowledge, I want to ask Jesus in my heart. Now repeat this prayer after me, and everyone repeat this prayer. And we join in with those who may have raised a hand here and those that have raised their hand at home. Dear God, I believe you love me. I believe you really do care about me. Jesus, I've sinned. I've made mistakes. I know you love me because you died for me. You became a curse so I could be curse-free. Jesus, I accept what you've done for me. And I am asking you, come and live inside this life. Take control. Live in me. Live through me. And live with me. I receive you, Jesus Christ. I'm sorry for all of my sins all of my mistakes I'm sorry for the times I've wounded people forgive me and help me to get it right I thank you God 
today, as I receive Jesus, you receive me. Thank you for letting me be born again through Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Well, I think we had a great day in God's house today, don't you? Absolutely. Amen. Don't forget next week, church tithes. The last three weeks, we've seen a significant, a huge drop. I don't like to have to say this. Starting three weeks ago, we saw a 30% drop. The week after that, two weeks ago, 30% drop. Last Sunday, we saw a 50 to 60% drop. Let's continue. You've been awesome all along this whole COVID thing. You guys have been incredible. The tithes and offerings remain constant. If you've lost a job, let me pray with you. Let us know. Pastor Tom will call. Pastor Jan will call. We'll pray with you. We pray for you. I mean, I told you, we have prayer meetings seven days a week. We pray for you. Let me encourage you. Keep staying in faith. Keep staying in faith. Keep giving. Giving is a faith statement. Give, and it will be given back to you, pressed down, shaken together, and running out all over. So whether you write it on the envelopes in the back, you could put it in the offering buckets up the back, or whether you do it online on the church website, graceandfaith.church or whether you do it by text to give however you choose to do it I encourage you to continue in your position of faith and not let the enemy have the last say we are the overcomers in Jesus name God bless you church love you guys I'll see you soon amen Brian can I see you for